0: Thank you for your presence. The Bible tells us that if we say we love God, whom we have not seen, but hate our brother whom we see every day, the truth is not in us. And if the God's truth in its entirety is not in us, we are not genuinely saved. We can have Christian symbols on our cars, wear Christian symbols, quote scripture, pray eloquently and sing hymns and spiritual songs. But if we are not continuously living and applying God's word in our lives, we are not genuinely saved. Listen with Bible, pen, and paper handy as Pastor Rander teaches us today.
1: Father, we thank you for the privilege of preaching. Thank you for getting me back to be able to preach. So much could have uh, delayed that uh, or could have kept us from being back. We pray now that you would anoint me, use me, equip me, empower me. I realize apart from you, I can't do nothing. Father, I love doing what you've called me to do. That's why I've been doing it for For 40 years or so, and I pray, Lord, that you would just have the people to be focused on your word, to be attuned, that their minds not wonder. We pray against satanic distractions in Jesus' name. And all God's children said, we're preaching through the book of 1 John. You say, why are we in 1 John? Because we are preaching through the book. You cannot preach through a book in just one Sunday. It takes time to preach through a book. We're going segment by section by section by section, and uh, it is an enjoyable experience. You really get to learn the Word of God without hopscotching all over the book uh, with no sense of purpose or direction. Uh, for, turn with me to 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 and 17 is the next portion of Scripture. 1 John is where we are landing this morning. The scripture says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the father, but is of the world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. I want to preach in the thematic series that we are engaged in, in the opening segment of this particular book, how to know if I'm genuinely saved. How to know if I'm genuinely saved. Church, I am sure you agree with me that time is moving so fast until we must make it priority to make sure that we're saved without a doubt. The brevity of life, the rapidity of time and how short life really is should give us a heightened sense of sensitivity of being absolutely certain that we are saved without a doubt. As we grow and mature in Christ, the things of this world do not matter as much as they used to. And the things of this world take on less significance. The things we used to love to do and couldn't wait to do it, all of a sudden as you grow older, those things become less and less meaningful. The things of this world means less and less as we grow and mature in Christ. Things that used to frustrate us, the least little thing that used to frustrate us, seemingly do not bother us as much because we are getting so much closer to our heavenly home now. And We don't have much time to just be playing around and just getting upset and to be off into things we should not be into. The closer we get to heaven, our priorities become more kingdom. At least they should become more kingdom focused. Our families become more meaningful the closer we get to heaven. We set our personal affairs in order as we get closer to heaven and we become less preoccupied with the pleasures of this world simply because we're getting closer to heaven. Since every day we live brings us a little bit closer to our departure from this life. We need to be absolutely sure that if we were to die today, we are saved without a doubt. With that being said, how do I know without a doubt that I'm genuinely saved? How do I know without a doubt that I'm genuinely saved? You need to know that. You can't be wondering about it, can't be I think I'm saved, I hope I'm saved. You have to know you're saved. So how do I know without a doubt that I'm genuinely saved? Number 1, we can be assured of our salvation when we no longer love the world or the things in it. That's a sign of salvation. When you no longer love the world or the things in it, 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17 says, Do not love the world. That's emphatic. That's instructive. That's a command. All the things in it. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And this world is fading. is passing away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Well, let me pose another question as it relates to do not love the world. Why must we not love the world? Why must believers not love the world? John, the apostle, beloved aged John, instructs us emphatically. Don't you love the world and don't you love the things in it? So why must we not love the world? Well, A, the scripture commands us not to love the world or the things in it. If I don't give you another reason, that's the main reason. If the Bible says don't do it, then you what? Don't do it. You don't have to be a Bible scholar to figure that out. <laughs> Verse fifteen eight says, do not love the world or the things in it. B, if you love the world, you do not have an undivided allegiance to the Father. If you love the world, look at that. If you love the world, you do not have an undivided allegiance to the father. Verse 15 B says, if anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in him. If you love the world, you do not have an undivided allegiance to the father. In other words, you say, what does that mean? You can become so enveloped in your love for this world system that it divides your allegiance And keeps you from being solely committed and devoted to only the father. To only the father. We must love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. See, we must not love the world because yielding to our fleshly appetites will cause us to look more like the world and not like our heavenly father. We must not love the world because yielding to our fleshly appetites will cause us to look more like the world and not like our heavenly father. Verse 16 says, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the the eyes and the pride of life is not of the father, but is of the world. Do you have so much worldly residue on you that people cannot see Christ in you? What a question. Do you have so much worldly residue on you that people cannot see Christ in you? D, we must not love the world because we would be placing our priority on the things that have no lasting eternal value. We must not love the world because we would be placing our priority on things that have no lasting eternal value. And that's in verse 17, 8, which says, and this world is fading away. Everything you see is passing away. This coat I have, the glasses I have on is passing away. Shoes I have on, the house I live in, the pets are passing away. The grass is passing away. The jewelry is passing away. A vacation house, well, if you have one passing away, your car is passing away. I don't care how nice it is. I don't care how, how high rated it is. It's passing away. Beloved, are you craving Treasuring and valuing those things that will ultimately come to nothing. That's a big question. Are you craving? Are you treasuring? And are you valuing those things that will ultimately come to nothing? Pass away. Because everything we can see, touch, smell, see is one day going to be a future ash pile. Peter says that it's going to actually burn up. E. Loving the world will hinder you from doing the will of God. Loving the world will hinder you from doing the will of God. Verse 17b says, but if anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. But anyone who does what pleases God. The chief aim of all of us in this room, of all believers, is to glorify God and to have fellowship with him forever. That's right. That's not to look at Netflix. It's not the video games. It's it's not the golf court. That's not the bowling. It's, It's not hunting and fishing. I'm not saying those things are bad, but that's not the goal of life. The goal of life is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. So loving the world will hinder you from doing the will of God the scripture says, but anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. In 1 John 2, 16 through 17, 1 John 2, 16 through 17, John points out that Satan uses three schemes. This is real crucial. Satan uses three schemes to entangle Christians and keeps us from doing the will of God. Everything that Satan tried to hit us with are aimed at doing these three things. Number one, his device, his strategy is the lust or desires of the flesh. He wants to tempt us through the lust and desires of the flesh. You see, John points out that Satan uses three schemes to entangle Christians, and they are the lust and the desires of the flesh, number one. Number two, the lust of the eyes. Comparing what other folk have, competition. You have what you have is working for you, but you won't submit because it has more bells and whistles. And thirdly, the pride of life is so destructive and Satan works through pride. As a matter of fact, I'm going to say something that's big. Do you not know that the root of all sin can be traced back to pride? Every sin you can, whatever it is, it can go back to pride. I wish I could spend time on that, but time won't let me. All sin inevitably goes back to pride. Satan enticed and deceived Eve with these three same strategies back in the Garden of Eden. You say, show me that. I'm glad you said that. All you got to do is turn to Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, and you'll see those devices right here. You'll see the strategies of Satan in Genesis 3, 6. It says, and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that's the lust of the flesh. Good for food, if you can squeeze in your Bible and write, right, lust of the flesh, okay? And that it was pleasant to the eyes, pleasant to the eyes, that's the lust of the eyes. See the strategies? It Say it's the old devil, nothing new, he just repackages sin, Okay? and that it was pleasant to the eyes, that's the lust of the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, that's the pride of life. All those sins can be wrapped up into those three strategies, schemes. She took the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also to her husband with her and he did eat. The lust of the eyes, the pride of life includes anything that appears to Man, a woman's fallen Adamic nature. Satan uses the things of this world to tempt our fleshly appetites in forbidden ways to destroy our testimony for Christ and even our lives physically. He wants to destroy you physically and he wants to destroy you spiritually. He already knows he's damned to the lake of fire. He just wants a lot of company to go with him. And he's going to have a host with him down there. How do you know? When you are in love with the things of this world system. How do you know when you are in love with the things in this world system? I want you to know. Because some some of you can be in love with this world system. And don't you realize you are in love with it? Okay, let me give you a few. A, you know you are in love with the things of this world system. When you have a divided allegiance between God and the world. When you have a divided allegiance between God and the world, James 4.4 says adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. That's strong language there in James. Now, listen at this. To have a divided allegiance is spiritual adultery. Look at that. To have a divided allegiance is spiritual adultery because it is an attempt to be loyal to both the world and God at the same time. Let me reiterate that. To have a divided allegiance is spiritual adultery because it is an attempt to be loyal to both the world and God at the same time. Beloved. If you desire to be a friend of the world, you just made yourself an enemy of God. Are you listening? If you desire to be a friend of this world system, you have just made yourself an enemy of God, which puts the whole of your spiritual life in danger of God's judgment. B, how do you know when you're in love with the things of this world? You are in love with the things of this world when you habitually spend money on things you do not need. You just see it and you got to have it. You habitually spend money on things you do not need. That means that you are in love with the things of the world. See, an indication that you love the world is when you take more delight in gaining material possessions for your own personal pleasure Rather than using what the Lord has blessed you with to invest in the kingdom of God. An indication that you love the world is when you take more delight in gaining more possession, more stuff for your own personal pleasure. Rather than using what the Lord has blessed you with to invest in the kingdom of God. Next, you know you are in love with the things of this world when you keep holding on to stuff you no longer use nor need and still can't let it go. Can't use it, don't need it, but can't let it go. Garage packed, attic packed, the shed in the backyard packed, the storage down the street packed, you're paying insurance on it. You you got the dress that's size two and you know you're not getting back down anymore. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the, the man got the body shirt, you know, where you can showcase the muscles, but you don't have anything to showcase anymore. It's, it's the Lord giving? No, blessing Be the name of the Lord. Let it go. You'll be surprised the stuff my wife and I give away. And we don't give away junk to people. Well we give, we give away things. That's a value we're trying to declutter our home and uh, and we are being a blessing to missionaries and pastors and all the things that i I have we we, 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 we we give it away because we know we just can't keep all this stuff and why should I have my children burdened with this? We're going to die one day, hopefully we outlive them but it, it, but if, if we die before them, I don't want the thing. And I sure hope they don't die, to, I don't die tomorrow because it'd still be kind of bad. <laughs> you know, we still, we, how many of y'all still got some cleaning out to do at your house? Come on, let's just get on it. Come on, come on, let's just get on this. We. It's a whole lot of stuff we need to let go and let go. And you in Planet Fitness. I'm going to use that. and I'm going to I'ma go to Planet Fitness and I'm going to get down in about three more weeks. I can get in that dress I used to wear in 19... 19- 92. <laughs> you, you know you're in love with the things of this world when you get more excited about talking about things such as politics, you're more excited about talking about sports, food, fun, and fashion, and yet you rarely speak of those things that pertain to the kingdom of God. Friday, we talked to a young man with a restaurant and so I said, Oh, you're a Christian? We're a restaurant in Houston. He said, Yes. I said, What church you go to? What's your pastor's name? And he just told him, Just a wonderful, cool guy. Uh, and just loved talking about the Lord in this church. And then I talked to another uh, waiter uh, later on that day. And, you know, we try to inject Jesus, just a brief witness. You can't sit there and give them the full spiritual laws, you'll you get them fired. You got to give them a quick witness, you know? <laughs> I said, Jesus Christ has come back again. Are you ready? He said, we don't don't talk religion. I said, okay. I said, but you got to understand Jesus is not about a religion. Jesus is a person. And you need to come to know him. And so I talked to another guy who was in another restaurant. And he said, well, how many restaurants did y'all go to? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we (laughs) got to eat. If any man don't work, he don't eat. I went down there. I had to work, so I needed to eat. <laughs> I mean, we, I worked hard, very, very hard. Uh, and so he was just a nice young man. He was really cool, too. He had a good disposition, big. I said, what do your name mean? Kushe or something? I, I can't pronounce his name. He said, it means God. I said, God. he had a big smile on it. And I said, i got a question. I said, what God? And he got stuck. He didn't know what to say. He looked at me. I said, I believe you mean the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I believe you mean the God of our father, the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe you're talking about that God. And he he just kept smiling, kept talking, and just, we ate, and he was just a delight to be around. Where is your witness for Christ? Where is your witness? You ought to be excited talking about Christ, redeeming the time, being a witness not talking about the latest trends and fashions and politics and the weather. Oh, so many weather talking, you can't do nothing about the weather. <laughs> you see, you know you're in love with this world, the things of this world, when you lose your integrity. When you lose your integrity by lying on resumes, you're putting all that stuff down, you know you ain't all that. <laughs> lying on resumes, cheating, and lying on exams cheating and lying on taxes, stealing from God by not giving him at least 10% of your income, and having ill motives for the sake of personal gain. You know you are in love with the things of this world. How do you know when you're in love with the things of this world? You know you're in love with the things of this world when you come to church to network your personal business interests Instead of handing out evangelistic cards to win people to Jesus. Okay, we know you in this business. We don't need your business card. We need your evangelistic card. You need to be asking folk about Jesus. Okay? It's about Jesus. H, you know you are in love with the things of this world when you can club it out and party it out on Friday and Saturday night. And then are too worn out to come to worship on Sunday morning. You, you'd be surprised how many folks say they're saved, but boy, they're in some strange places on Saturday night. And they, they, they say they're saved, but they can't come to church. But they got a lot of energy on Saturday. They give the devil all their time. And then sleep on God. Sleep on God. Boy, the amens didn't come that time. <laughs> okay. How do you know when you're in love with the things of this world? When you are in love with the things of this world, you cannot say no to your fleshly cravings. You can't say no to drugs. You can't say no to alcohol. you got to have your tobacco. Some of you got to have your caffeine. Sexual immorality is all in your life. Some of you are addicted to sweets, sodas, fried foods, and you got to have it. Some of you can't go one week without a hamburger. Some of you are addicted to laziness, procrastination on the things of God. Some of you gamble. I was at the gas station the other day, and I just, it tests my patient to no end. They're sitting there trying to figure out what number is the best number. And they're oh, give me this. No, I don't want this one. Uh, give, me, give me that one. And they, oh, oh, no, no, no. Oh, that one right there. Are y'all doing that? I hope not. Oh, I guess you are. No, you're not. Some of you are. You know, I I preach. I don't know what to say now. (laughs) I don't
0: know what to say. I don't know what to say.
1: (laughs) Oh, I was at Ritterman Plaza years and years ago. See, you know, the older you get, you get a lot of illustrations because you preach and you see. I see a lot of things. And I remember, I said, Lord, keep my mind. And so... I preached a message. I'm going to do a message again. I'm going to do a revision of it on You Shall Not Gamble. Amen. And uh, I preached that message because a lot of folk are deceived and they're thinking that gambling's okay. You know, they catch boats and go to the Vegas and Vegas the uh, Atlantic City and go on these cruise places and they just walk on, do all this stuff. And I preached that message, and this lady came up to me. She said, Pastor, I was so convicted until I believe you were looking in my purse. <laughs> I said, why do you say that? I got my lottery ticket in my purse right now. And you know, some folk get mad at me when I preach because they believe that somebody told me and they're mad because I preach the truth and they said somebody said something, he preaching it. I'm not preaching it. Let me tell y'all something right now. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I'm going to stop right now. If the true step on your foot, it's not because somebody told me something about you. The Holy Spirit knows everything. He knows everything.
0: The Bible tells us that there is no assurance of salvation apart from obedience to God's word. For his word alone gives us that assurance. We must trust in the Lord with all our hearts and acknowledge him in all our ways. Only then can we say we are genuinely saved. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching or would like to hear this message in its entirety, please visit www.maranathasa.org where you will find an archive of audio messages, service times, direction to the church, upcoming events, and much more. You can also reach us at 210-821-5683. Maranatha Bible Church is located at 7855 East Loop 1604 North, in Converse, Texas, directly across from Randolph Air Force Base.